Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I am Pastor James. Pastor Dina is out this week, but I'm really excited to have Cindy Miller as a guest here. Cindy, how are you doing today? I'm great, and you say that very easily, but we have not recorded this session yet, so (laughs) I think you need to reserve your judgment, but I I do have to share with you that one of my worst nightmares in life, not Mm -hmm. just today, I mean, this is making me nervous, but my worst nightmare is that I would cause a believer to stumble in their faith journey. So I am hoping <laughs> that today that won't happen. Interesting. So my my pastor, uh, one of my pastors growing up, uh, he has uh, since passed into glory, uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, Bill Blacksmith. He was actually a pastor. Um, he was a member over at Greystone in, in Indiana, PA, okay. and he came to be a, a second career pastor. He was actually a professor at IUP. Um, fantastic man. Gave me one of the best pieces of preaching advice that I have ever had, which is, he said, don't worry about heresy in your preaching. It will always be there. Oh, well, there you go. I guess that takes the pressure off. Yeah, because he said you're always going to overemphasize that shouldn't have been. You're always going to underemphasize something mm-hmm. that should have been overemphasized. Um, so there's always going to be an element of heresy in your preaching, and we depend on the Holy Spirit to to do the the work that needs to be done. Lesson heard. All right, so. I should chillax a little bit. Yeah, you know, if, if you believe in that whole ha- Holy Spirit thing, you know. Well, there is that. But, you know, I don't want anybody who's been enamored with the podcast so far that are followers to be turned away because I am your guest today. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Well, that's, so, I'm hoping. So not. we shall embark here. Uh, and so uh, uh, we'll ask everyone to give you a little bit of grace. Please. <laughs> Lots it, of grace. It shall abound. I hope so. I can so. only count on my brothers and sisters to do so. Yes. So, uh, you know, the the first question here is, what did you hear in this week's uh, sermon? What were kind of the key takeaways that, that you got from this week? Well, um, there are three points that came up. Uh, the values of Jesus state of our hearts, and the depth of discipleship. Those were the three points that you focused on on Sunday morning. Yeah, and as a brief reminder, I forgot to mention this, you know, uh, the the sermon was from Matthew chapter 25, mm-hmm. uh, verses 31 through the end of the chapter, and so it was the, the par- well, it's not technically a parable, it's a story, but the story of the end times with the sheep and the goats, and the separation thereof, and and uh, the pronouncement that whatever had been done to the least of uh, my brothers or sisters had actually been done to me, as Jesus said. So that's the parable that we're working from. So what did you hear in that? Well, I want to back it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think generally speaking, the one point that you made overall was that this is not um, a story about serving others. I think... That's how a lot of people primarily look at this. We tend to emphasize the humanitarian aspect of the text and ignore the judgment aspect of what's really being taught here. Because mm. it's it's not easy to hear. Uh, we talked a, a little bit ago about how we don't like to, to talk about judgment um, or evaluation. <laughs> yeah. But... 
That's what this story is about. It's not a laundry list of what you need to do to be saved. It's not the checklist. Correct. Correct. Um, and, and that's an important, um, that's an important understanding, um, because we very, very easily want to fall into that mindset. And I, I think that mindset is, is, is what you've been, um, talking about recently is that merit based mindset. Yes. Um, or, or we, you know, we're in a culture where everything is merit-based, ignoring that this salvation is a gift. Yeah. And we cannot do anything to earn that. Yes. And so, uh, you know, that gets actually to a, a question, kind of a kind of a sticking point then, you know, as to how then do you take the actions of the people in the story? You know, if they aren't, um, if they aren't earning salvation, then what is it that those actions actually are? It's, it's a, it's evidence of their faith. It's a, that's a phrase I, I like to use a lot. Um, I was talking to my one, my husband's one childhood friend one time we were talking about faith and it was an obscene time in the morning. It was like three or four, four o'clock in the morning, probably not the best time of day to have a conversation <laughs> of this nature, but that's how we fell into it. It was just him and I talking. So it was a very, very private conversation. And I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And he goes, well, yeah, I believe in God. And I said, where's the evidence? He said, mm. could I could I look in your checkbook and see that, oh, that I wrote, uh, you know, I had a check in, in giving to support a Christian organization? Or can I look on your calendar and see that, oh, well, I'm going to be at church this day, and then I'm going to be with this church group this day. I said, there's no evidence. So I, I like to use that word, yeah. evidence of faith. But we've talked, and we were talking about sun, in Sunday school and on Sunday morning about it being a grateful response mm. to God's love. Nothing more than that. Yeah. Yeah, and it gets to that that idea of what's the relationship between our obedience and our acceptance, yes. um, which we've, we've talked about a couple weeks now, but it, it bears repeating because uh, uh, we, with that merit based mentality, we very much, very quickly get into the mindset that I obey, therefore I am accepted instead of I am accepted. Therefore I obey. Yeah, boy, that is just so succinctly put and very hard to argue. But we are in that mindset. I do, therefore I'm accepted. Not I am accepted, therefore I do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and But you bring up a great point in that there should be evidence of that fact. That one of the examples that I've used over uh, over time is, you know, at one point I thought of myself as a musician. Uh, so I actually started out college as a music education major. Um, and I good was, to know. Yeah. Uh, and so, and actually I have a minor in music. I had enough okay. courses that, that that's on my degree. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think I can claim the moniker a musician anymore oh. uh, because if you were to look at yeah. my life, I don't, I don't practice. I don't, you know, I don't organize my life around music anymore. It's there's, there's no evidence that Again, yeah. I actually have to tell people that, oh, yes, I have a background in music. 
So it's a background. It slid to the background bleacher. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's no longer the on you know on the front line. Correct. Okay. Correct. It's not a it's okay. not a core part of my identity. It's not and, your time, talent, and treasure where those things are invested in. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Now there there are uh, there are fossils of that era. You know, I still have my trombone and and it's Do a constant. You use your trombone every once in a while. I use it one week a year at Camp Land back for okay. music camp. Okay. Um, and and you know and even that i'm i'm kind of dialing back on but um you know there are remnants of that for sure but they they're not active you couldn't find me in a practice room these days you even no one could find me in a practice room since the the mid 2000s oh, if you have to pause and think about it it's been long enough yeah exactly there has been an entire generation born since i've <laughs> been in a practice room <laughs> like let's put it that way yeah um and so um, there's no evidence of that anymore. And so I, I really, you know, I have a music background, but I'm not a musician anymore. Right. Um, and, and I'm okay. I had to wrestle with that because oh, it yeah. had been such a part of who I was that I had to wrestle with the fact that there, there's just not, and that's okay. And it's okay to mourn that too. Yeah. To mourn that loss and the change. Yeah. It, it really is okay to, when you re- have to redefine yourself to take a moment and say, oh, that's sad. Yeah. But um, but if if I were to start claiming that I'm a musician, you know, what's the evidence? I would ask you the same question. What it, is the evidence? Exactly. Yeah. And it, exactly. And I could go back to music. That's fine. But there would have to be some, there would have to be a transformation in who I, who I am. And it, it would necessitate giving up some things. I mean, ministry, you know, consumes so much time and effort that uh, it necessarily follows that I can't be other things. Right. Well, you can't, but do you have a desire to yeah. be others and right. other things? Right. And this is going back to what you were talking about in the sermon about the values it, it leads into that talking about it being your operating system that's the parallel that you drew on sunday morning where your faith is the operating system what drives your every thought word deed to use that little trio of <laughs> catchphrase and i hearkened it to dna it's yeah. who you are foundationally so that it it drives everything from that point forward. Yes, yeah. the 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 way I'd phrase it is, it, you know, it's not nearly as as um, succinct as your trio there, but there are four things that it drives. It's it drives your identity, your values, your attitudes, and your behaviors. Oh, I think I need to write that down. Yeah, I like that. Can you, can you repeat that? Too? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah. It, it drives the you know when we have faith you know when when we are invested in faith and we want to live out of faith it it changes our identity our values our attitudes and our behaviors yeah that's spot on yeah it's everything it encompass it's a totally encompassing and and generally like from from a I don't want to say psychological because I don't have enough background in psychology, but from a functional aspect, you know, that really, our being really cascades in in that direction. Our identity informs our values. Our values inform our attitudes. Our attitudes 
result in our behaviors. Um, and so, um, that's why this can't be a, a story solely about behaviors. No. It's, it's really a, a behavior about our identity and our values, which Jesus wanted to get at in Matthew 5 with the Beatitudes right. that are now being cashed out here at the very end. Cashed not, out. I like that. Yeah. Not at the beginning. No. No. But here at the very end, they're being cashed out in, in behaviors. Right. Evaluated. And judged. Yeah. In such a way that they, the people involved don't even recognize it consciously as values anymore. They're well, automatic. And I didn't, I didn't even look at it that way until you asked that question in Sunday school. And uh, there was total crickets going on. I mean, you could hear the crickets in class because <laughs> we're like, what do you mean? Yeah. And it never occurred to me until you threw that slant on it or that lens, I should say more succinctly the looking at it that way differently totally different yeah so um well we were talking about how it, it's your operating system mm -hmm. your values are your operating system and that drives ultimately your behavior and one of the comments that we t made earlier was let me see if i can get to my notes here that those who have experienced God's kingdom cannot go back to life as it once was. Mm. I, I love thinking about that. I mean, there are people who do turn their back on their faith and renounce Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But when you know the joy of God's kingdom and experience the gift of his grace and mercy, it's really tough to be unchanged. Yes. After knowing that. Yes. After experiencing that. Interesting side story. Um, uh, Pastor Todd Bolsinger wrote the book Canoeing the Mountains, and he uses an extended metaphor with Lewis and Clark. And um, I forget which one it was. I can never remember. It was either Lewis or Clark who, once he got back, could never readjust to the world mm. and ended up committing suicide because he could never square huh. the 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 world on the eastern hemisphere uh, not the eastern hemisphere but the eastern united states with what he saw in the western united states and he had such cognitive dissonance as a result he just could never square that in his life well that's fascinating he was so changed well, it's a little bit more than having like a culture shock yeah that, that's an extreme but you talk about extremes, too. You've been talking about the last several weeks about extreme. What is that? What is the phrase? Radical dependence. Radical dependence. There yes. you go. And and that that leads us into what we're talking about now with values. If there's a radical dependence, it's totally encompassing. It's everything. Yes. It's all in. Yep. Yeah. And, and so... Um, it would be very, all this would be very easy to take as a, even hearing radical dependence may sound like a behavior, but it really is an identity, a values and an, an attitude issue as well. You know, who am I? Whose am I? And what does that, um, what does that mean for my life as a result? And, right. and Jesus is saying, if, if we are going to be people who are dependent then that's going to mean a difference in the way as in this story 
a difference in the way that we engage the people around us. There you go. That's it. And that's, that's one of the things I was hoping we would get to. Um, it, it's I do because I love God, therefore I love you, his creation. Mm. And that should be our foundational. I, I, I kind of picture it in my head as like a gymnast, a gymnast who you know takes the running jump and then springs off the board to get on the pummel horse and to do the routine it's like that's our springboard that should be mm. not I, I used to say plumb line okay but that to me doesn't invoke the same or evoke the same picture as what you're saying here it's got to be the springboard it's got to be that first step the yeah foundation and Here's a here's a little side story. Sure. You're welcome to cut this out be on the <laughs> on the cutting room floor you, of you, the cutting room floor. You will be the decider of that. <laughs> but years ago, I'm going to say it was my jubilee year this was years ago and I remember it was a Saturday at my house, a uh, beautiful summer day. Windows were open. Nobody else was at home. So, uh thankfully, they didn't see my my fit of anger. Oh no. But um, my my beloved spouse had um, exhibited behavior that had been repeated, and I had hoped it would never have happened again. Okay. And I was angry. Uh-oh. And I was railing against God. I was literally, you know, cleaning rag in hand, shaking and yelling, and, and just shaking my fist and it was like in the movies, everything kind of stopped around me. Everything oh got completely quiet. And God said to me, how dare you? He is my son. Wow. And I'm getting verklempt even thinking about it. And that was almost 20 years ago. Um, and it made me realize I am not worthy to judge his creation Mm. and it changed me foundationally wow i can claim with sincerity that i love all people that doesn't mean i like everyone (laughs) i still have my moments you know and it can be a struggle yeah but i have come to understand the value of god's his creation and that he has gifted everyone. Now, what would the world be like if we all started right there? Well, I think I think we get a glimpse of it in the sheep in this story. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because they they absolutely are treating every person with the dignity of having the image of God first and foremost. Right. And, and I, I mean, that is, you go to Genesis and you see how important that image is um, to God. Right, and, right. And why murder is such an offense because it is it is defacing the image of God. And why, um, you know, earlier in Matthew, when when Jesus said it's, it's not just, you know— uh, you know, anyone who, who says you fool to his brother has already committed murder in his heart. Right. You know, it's this defiling of the image of God. Yes. And, and he just cannot, uh, he just can't stand that. Right. And, and 
if that was your starting point, if that was your first step in how you responded to everyone in every situation, wow. Yeah. It would be so different. But that's the kind of radical change you're talking about, yes. the radical transformation. It's foundational. It's not cosmetic. It's not slapping lipstick on a pig. It's, <laughs> it's at the core. Yes, yes. And that's the kind of a change that you're talking about here. Yes, absolutely. And um, so that, that kind of checks off the, the values and the states of our heart and, and actually the depth of, of, of discipleship. Um, what else did you want to bring up from either a Sunday school conversation or the sermon that you, you, you gave us? Well, I, you know, I, I think there are a few things that I cut that are, that are, um, the sermon is just, you know, it, it's so difficult because when I'm preparing a sermon, I think what can preach, and I don't mean that in, in kind of a popular way where it's like, Ooh, what'll get the most response, but what are the things that people can, can actually hang their hat on in a sermon and actually take home and employ in their daily life? Well, uh, I think that's what pope, most people hope to walk away from, from a sermon. Right. And you also have to consider your, I'm doing audience. air quotes. You can't see that, but I'm doing air <laughs> quotes. You have to, you know, consider your audience too. Yeah, absolutely. And so there were a couple things in the in the scholarly um, uh, in the scholarly reading that I did that didn't make it. Um, one of it was um, so Jesus is talking in this parable about anyone who does this to even one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine has done it to me. Well, the question is who who is that least of my brothers and sisters? that he's talking about. And, and, uh, commentators went in different directions. One commentator had up to seven groups that, that he had identified that were possibilities. Um, and you know, I think that the, the quick ones here, you know, is he talking about believers? Is he talking about all people or is he talking about, you know, Gentiles or, or, um, uh, believing Jews. And, and so the, the, where I landed on this and I didn't want to bring it out because it was too much of a, it was a too heady of a discussion. Yeah. Um, well, and it, it obviously from the commentaries I read too, and you did as well, it's their opinions spread across the board on this. Yes. Yes. Um, and as I thought about it, you know, the commentator uh, that, that had the seven also uh, um, pointed out that, that he believed because of the use of, brothers and in Jesus's early comments about who's my brother, who's my sister. Um, it's the one who, who knows and does the will of my father in heaven that he must've been talking about the treatment of believers. Right. I just can't go there. <laughs> I, I had the same response. Yeah. Because it, and partially because of largely because of that, that, um, the idea of the image of God in everyone, uh, doing it to the least of these, um, you know, Jesus's humanity, the incarnation itself. Um, he is, he is our brother. Um, and he was speaking in more particular terms when he said, you know, who is my brother? Who are, who are my sisters? And so on. Um, but also because his healing ministry was so indiscriminate, Mm -hmm. um, that I think it's hard to say, that he was trying to have a limited view here. Um, and so, uh, of all the possibilities I landed on that, this was, you know, all, uh, this was to everyone, although we cannot neglect a group like believers 
in favor of another another group. Right, and and it's kind of fun to bat this this idea around and have a conversation about it. But as we talked it, about it earlier, it it's not the bottom line in this story. Right. It doesn't affect what the main point of the story really is. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe that was my you know in in the in my gut, my gut was telling me, hey, this isn't actually all that important. Um, no, it's fun to kick it around. It is. I mean, uh, because we talked earlier about the intentionality of scripture that I absolutely, it just has me so enamored. Um, you weren't all that excited about the sheep versus the goat thing. <laughs> I had yes. fun with that because I have a mental image of sheeps, sheep following each other around and goats boinging all over the place. Um, it, and it is fun to kick this stuff around. And, and I think, you know, we're actually expected to k- kick this kind of stuff around. Yeah. The further you dig into it, the more you're able to de- de- develop what you believe. Yes. Yes. But that's not the bottom line here. Correct. And that's why, you know, a, a discussion on sheep and goats didn't make it into right. this. That got that the, the sheep and the goats were left on the cutting room floor, too, uh, because the, the commentators made the point that in, in, you know, in terms of economic value, in terms of many things, sheep and goats were relatively similar. You could milk them both. You could slaughter them both for food. I mean, th- there was they're they're remarkably similar to Jesus's culture in terms of in terms of their value. And so there wasn't, there's no inherent goodness or badness mm-hmm. to sheep and goats right. um, actually in Jesus's culture. There's nothing underlying it um, in that respect. Um, and so the, it's just the image that Jesus has chosen. Um, and it's been, you know, I think it was in the Sunday school class and you've pointed out that the goats are, do tend to be a bit more independent thinkers. Sheep, Big time. Sheep are more dependent. Yeah. Um, and so for that reason, I could see where Jesus was going with that, but you know, it, it just didn't make the sermon. It, it wasn't, a you know, would have had to have drawn that out pretty far to get. Yeah. And you don't, you have this X number of minutes. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's not like you live in Malawi where, you know, their church services are two and a half to four hours. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but also, uh, it was very interesting because if you go back and read the the par- uh, the story, I keep wanting to call it a parable. Um, but if you it's go, it's not a parable. It's not a parable. It's not a parable. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you go back and read the story, um, one of the interesting things is um, you can see the people's heart in the way they respond to the king in the story. Absolutely, the, that's the difference. That's the judgment line. Yeah. So where whereas the 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 people identified as the sheep, they say, "Where did we see you naked and we clothed you, and hungry and we fed you, and thirsty and we gave you something to drink?" They they're they're really articulating every aspect of what the king had said. Whereas the the people identified as the goats, they just give the laundry list of where did we see you hungry or naked or in prison or, you know, they don't go into detail. They're just kind of. They didn't give the detail. They didn't even give what would have been the response had they met someone who was hungry and thirsty and naked. Right. They didn't even think beyond that. It was the, the sheep knew how to respond. 
Yeah, and it and it was automatic. It, yep. You know, they're, there's they're, that word again. They're really giving this pensive, thoughtful reflection to wait a minute. Where did this happen? Um, whereas the 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 goats are are much more dismissive, um, even in their language and in their brevity. Yeah, yeah, and I I hadn't even noticed that until you mentioned that earlier. I I love that. Yeah, and so that was another one of the things that you know I thought was fascinating. I tend to like linguistics, and so I, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, if this is a linguistics thing and I'm enjoying it, that probably means that 99% of the people in the pews will not enjoy this. <laughs> That's your litmus paper, exactly. Huh? If I like it, nobody else. No, exactly. You have, you have to adopt the grandma theory, which is. I'm cold, therefore you're cold. So, yeah. So I like it, therefore you like it. Yeah. You know, just go for it. But it was very interesting to see that 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 more thoughtful, pensive, um, examining response yeah. versus this quick, dismissive, like, when did we not do that? Exactly. That it does, when you boil it or distill it down, it does feel dismissive. Yeah. Or, or curt or just, meh. I don't care. Right. Right. So those were some of the things that, that, that were on my radar, but never made it. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to this once you start digging in, but I, I think that we still have to, I don't know. I kind of like to wrap things up by going back to the main idea. Um, and that's, you know, what's the bottom line here in this story? And it's, there will be those who are found faithful and thus rewarded. And those who are not found, who are found unfaithful will be punished. Now, that's not just a slap on the hand. That's eternal. You're right. Right. Eternal yeah. wrath of God. Yes. There's, there's no, there's no mincing it in this, in this story for sure. No. So, and I'll say that one of the things that this story shows is that as opposed to some prior weeks where I've used a, a lot more of the material that was on my radar, this this had so much stuff that it kind of hit the cutting room floor for me. Um, but it was it's still been great to talk to you. Uh, we've we were talking well before we started recording, and um, it, it, just such a joy to dive into the scripture. It is. It's fun and to talk about the points that Jesus is making as well as the ways it applies. And it's that's it's such a joy, and it's a reminder that a sermon can't carry the freight of our discipleship. Um, it's a good way of putting it. No, and, it can't. And I'm saying that as a pastor. Like, right. It just can't. And so the importance of actually having a community where we can talk about these things. And that's what we were talking about earlier, too, with the, the you know, the Israelites. That's how they did church. They would gather in groups and they would be, I was saying earlier that I thought it was a good idea because they're lounging in in robes. I mean, come on, that's got to be a great way to do church. And that's right. And if there happens to be wine, so, so be, be it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But to be able to have these kind of conversations and bounce back, like James pointed out that the unbelievers or the goats in their little checklist of how they responded, when did I see you naked? When did I see you thirsty? When it didn't have, I fed you or I gave you something to drink where the sheeps did. So I wouldn't, I didn't, wouldn't have caught that. 
if we had not had this conversation. You know, I think it's a, it's a wonderful way to consider adding to what we do on Sundays. And, I don't and, know how what that looks like or how it can be done, but I think it's a great thing. Absolutely. And, and if, for certain, you know, the Sunday school class where we actually talk about that is a great place to start. Um, small groups are, are another thing that, that we, um, we absolutely need to be engaged in. Um, and, and I'll say likewise, you know, it it was funny to see you get excited and to have that imagery of sheep and goats where I didn't. Um, and, and like I said, have you not seen a kid goat video online and just (laughs) guffawed? I mean, come on. Yes. Yes. It's hilarious. So, um, as we think about this, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about the fact that this isn't works righteousness. You know, we've got to be careful uh, about this. And the fact that this is just, uh, you know, this is one story. So this is a part of a larger unit. We were talking about that. That this is a part of a larger unit on the end times that Jesus is talking about. Where he talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven will be like. Right. And so this is a heavily analogized area where um, Jesus wants to give us a picture of the end so we know what to do now right um and what that is that a gift it is i mean we could be guessing at this even more than we do already could you imagine someone and i granted katie likes puzzles um you do too oh i love them yeah but imagine if someone just poured out a bunch of puzzle pieces with no box no image nothing Right in front of us. No, that would be crossing over into, no, this is painful and not fun. And that's the point where Jesus is giving us, you know, Pastor Dina commented last week where, you know, it's not this idea that God is kind of hiding secret requirements. And if you don't hit them, then, oh, ah, I gotcha. He is really giving us a clearly defined picture in a number of different aspects of what a life in Christ is ultimately looks like and that i said what a gift yeah he doesn't want us to fail no he loves us he wants us to be in eternal is his eternal kingdom yes forever and ever i don't know why but you know <laughs> oh i have to wonder sometimes why but he, because of his eternal love exactly and and that's a great thing so that we can know how to start applying some of these mm-hmm. things Right. right now, like Paul says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Right, right. Let's start by the power of the Holy Spirit. Start putting some of these things back together the way they were intended to be put together. Yeah. And just try to be patient <laughs> until yes. the eternal kingdom comes. Yes. And and that's a, you know, that's that's a gift here. And, and so... To not be scared of these th- these passages, I think there's um, in in terms of approaching them, I think it, it's one thing to say, "Hey, you're a pastor, you have all these resources, that's great," but man, this end time stuff kind of scares me. If we remember it's a picture of what will be, mm-hmm. then we can start living those things out now. Yeah, and that's a gift, like you said, that's a real gift. Well. And not to be a casual Christian, I think that's a word that you used, I don't know if it was last Sunday or the Sunday before, maybe it was in Sunday school, Um, you know, about 
well, I'm going to be forgiven. There, it doesn't make any difference. You know, how I uh, behave or respond with people, how I, I conduct myself. Yeah. It, it is that, that criteria, so to speak. You know, and I earlier, I just, you know, as we think about it and with the parables that are kind of clumped together with this story, um, where all of them represent Jesus as the returning figure, Jesus as the authoritative judge, and that believers or or people who have been adopted into God's eternal family will be judged, that, that they all happen right before God, before Jesus enters Jerusalem. I, I just find that fascinating. And, and this, it's actually exemplified in this story itself because God doesn't judge until the end. Yeah. So you think of all that he, that Christ is teaches his disciples throughout his ministry. He's leaving all this yucky stuff to the end. Yeah, he allows the as in the parable of the the wheat and the tares or the the darnel, um, you know, he allows those things to grow up together, so that if there's any, any possibility, absolutely of 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 saving of of coming to faith, he allows for that. And what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing! And so I think we can approach these stories with joy because you know the day of judgment can be a day of joy for us hopefully yeah, yeah. i mean that's we that's need, the end game but we need you know, not be afraid of it because right. you know if we are clothed in christ and we live in christ then you know yes we're going to mess up yes we're going to fail yes we're going to sin yes we're going to have uh, problems and anxiety and doubts and struggles, but at the end of it, you know, God says, I, you look a lot like my son. Yeah. I love you. So why don't you come on in? Yeah. And that's hard to remember. It is. I think we're, we all are prone to being really hard on ourselves. And as we grow deeper in our faith, as we're on the path, our journey, our faith of our faith journey, we realize how much further apart we are from God than, than we knew the day before. We yeah. realize <laughs> our separateness. Is that a word? I, don't. I, I know what you mean though. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. So then it makes it harder to remember, oh yeah, God's grace and mercy and he loves me. That's right. And I'm his child and he loves me. Therefore, I can go out and do this. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap it. <laughs> no, this has been a fantastic conversation. Yeah, I've really fun. enjoyed this, Cindy. Yeah, thank you. I have too. As much as I dread it, I think when you asked me after I complimented you on how much I love, 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 love the podcast, you said, well, do you want to do it with me? <laughs> and I think I looked at you without any response, which is quite unusual for me. Um, <laughs> but I have found this to be a joy as well. It's been a lot of fun. Thank Good. you for having me. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's It's been a delight. I hope, I really do hope this conversation has been a joy for you and that it helps uh, anyone who's listening to this help connect, you know, Sunday to the weekday. Um, if you have um, 
If you've been helped by this discussion, if you've been helped by this podcast, would you please feel free to take a minute and rate and review and then share it, uh, share it on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, wherever you are on uh, social media, feel free to, to, to share this so that hopefully it brings the hope of Jesus Christ to someone else. So, uh, until the next time, thank you for listening. Um, Cindy, do you want to say goodbye to just thanks for listening and I hope you continue to listen. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much. We'll see you next time.